When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing the Godfather at ChumbaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. This is the Love Rugby League podcast, bringing you the latest rugby league news, talking points, and exclusive interviews. Listen as fellow fans and experts discuss the burning issues in the game and share their bold predictions. We're out every Wednesday to look ahead to your rugby league weekend. Welcome to the Love Rugby League podcast with me, James Gordon. I'm joined by Josh McAllister this week. Um, we've got John Bateman coming up on this week's show. He caught up the, with Drew at Wiggins Training Ground recently. Um, we'll go through the good, the bad and the ugly as usual as well. Um, let's start, let's have a just quick run through of the winners and losers from the last week in Rugby League. There was wins for Leeds Saints. Catalan, Wigan, Huddersfield and Castleford in, in Super League. And in the Championship, Lee, Sheffield, Featherstone, Bradford, York, Whitehaven and Barrow all won their games. Um, Josh, just some reflections maybe on on, on last weekend. I, I suppose the Wigan game at Toulouse maybe is the one that, that stands out because, of course, Toulouse had a pretty tough start to Super League and... Um, but to push Wigan as close as they did was, uh, you know, pretty good good effort from them. Yeah, I think they were minutes away from victory. To be honest, I was listening to the commentary through um, Wigan's official channels, um, and it sounded like Toulouse did have a few chances to put their own one pointers over towards the end. Uh, Tony Gigo, I think, had a couple of chances, but it was Harry Smith in the end that, that gets the limelight for his effort, uh, which claimed Wigan's win, maintaining their hundred percent record. Um, I don't feel sorry for Toulouse as such because obviously they're showing signs of improvement and the head coach has said how important this next game is up against Wakefield I think early in the season I think it's quite clear that that might be the relegation battle of the season Yeah, we'll talk about Wakefield in a second Wigan, to be honest that when that score was coming through was was half tempted to dig out some um, stats on Wigan because Wigan always seemed to have a, a bit of trouble against teams that are new to Super League Remember when Lee came up, Wigan lost against Lee. When when Widnes came up in Super League, 
Their first win was against Wigan and Catalan, of course, joined Super League way back when. They got a win over Wigan as well. Um, I'm not sure what I'm not sure what the pattern is there, but you know, like you say, Wigan managed to get the win in the end. You mentioned their big game this week for Toulouse against Wakefield. <clears throat> in many ways, and we sort of said this on last week's show, didn't we? In many ways, or was it the week before? The Wigan and Warrington games for Toulouse were almost like free hits for them to try and get to a place that they wanted to be because you know no one's really expecting them to win those games. And I suppose that game against Wigan last week is almost like the perfect lead-in to this big game against Wakefield. Wakefield, maybe not so much in recent years, but certainly 10 or 15 years ago, Wakefield and Salford were two good examples of teams who used to stay up by beating the teams around them. And that's the key, because if you... You know, it's all right if you beat Wigan in a one-off match or or whatever. But then, if you lose to a team around you, it's almost like it's like a four-point swing, isn't it? So, what do you expect to see from that game at Wakefield on Friday? A hundred percent from everyone, because I think all the players included might. I mean, they might not say think themselves that we're in a relegation for the year, but everyone watching will be thinking that, won't they? Um, so you'd expect hundred percent in a close game. You say if Toulouse can run. Riot and you know become so close with Wigan uh, in a game that you sort of said that you know they were expected to win. If they could put that same sort of performance in against Wakefield, there's there's nothing, there's no reason to say why that why that can't be their first Super League win in the season. And then if it is Toulouse's first Super League win in the season, if you're a Wakefield fan, I think you get a bit a bit worried about your future for the rest of the season. There's probably a lot of pressure on the game, and that might be where there's a little bit of a change for Toulouse. Obviously, they played Wigan, you know. Maybe you're not expected to win, so you play a bit more free. Whereas they're going to go into this match and know, like, this is a high pressure, yeah, pressure high pressure on. game, and and it's whether can they, you know, and the same applies, I guess, to to Wakefield as as well. Um, an interesting move in the in the transfer market ahead of this game is that Wakefield have signed French fullback Morgan Escaray on a two week loan deal from Salford. That's basically to cover Max Jowett, who was banned for for two games. What what do you make of that one? Yeah, uh, I suppose if you're a Toulouse fan, you might have wanted to bring Morgan Ascari back to France and play for them. But they got they brought in Alex Walker, didn't they, a couple of weeks ago? He's not getting any game time at Salford. Morgan Ascari, he's been playing in the reserves so far this year. I don't think he's made an appearance for them so far this year. As a Wakefield fan, you see it as a pretty pretty exciting side, and he he can he's, he's got pace about him, a bit off the cuff. He might not be the greatest defender, but he, he might add something at the back there for Wakefield. Yeah, Ollie Ashall bot, you should say, rather than Alex yeah, Walker. Yeah. But but it is a funny one with Escaray because he was, you know, when he was at Catalan, he, you know, he was, I think, was he, did he win Super League Young Player of the Year? He's certainly shortlisted for Super League Young Player of the Year. Obviously, he moved to Wigan, but he's not quite, ever since he's left Catalan, he's not quite maybe got to the level that, that maybe we thought. Um, you know, he struggled to get in at Wigan. I know some Wigan fans, you know, thought he ought to have got more of a chance than he did. He's. I think it became a running joke at Wigan that every week they asked where he was in the team because he was just never getting a game. Yeah, and you know, I think you know he's he's had he's obviously had a spell at Wakefield before. Obviously, he's at Salford, and you know we heard murmurs that maybe Salford were looking at offloading him in in the off season. He, you know, commands a a decent sized salary. He's on the small side, isn't he? And that might be you know, especially the mod the, the current state of the game is that you know you need your back three to basically be bringing up them first few carries and maybe he's not the um, ideal candidate from that um, for that but I suppose you are right in what you say I, you know if you I mean and, and I suppose 
when Toulouse, with Toulouse signing Ashall Bot, it was a good pickup. It's almost like if you if you put Escaray and Ashall Bot next to each other, you're thinking, well, why why didn't Toulouse have a look at Escaray? There's obviously something. Maybe you know, maybe he doesn't want to go back to France. Maybe there's 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 clearly something I think about Escaray that you know for whatever reason people aren't, aren't fancy as such. But then I suppose at the same time, you know. We don't say, well, only Wigan or Waitford can only sign English players or whatever, whoever it might be. So just because he's French, I suppose, doesn't automatically make him a candidate yeah. Yeah, to, to play for Toulouse. Um, but what about the two-week... There's been a, a bit of a fuss on Twitter about this, that he, he's they've signed Escaray on an initial two-week loan from Salford, which basically just covers the games that Jowett's banned for. Um should clubs be allowed to to do that? I know Wakefield have got quite a few injuries, and you know their backup fullbacks missing as well. Um, but it's two two weeks. Surely now we should be looking. It should be minimum of a month. Of a month. Well, it, it, well, yes and no. If it was that way, what if they didn't want him for a month and the other one him for two weeks? And a player like Morgan Esker is too good to be playing Salford reserves, really, isn't he? Uh, so if it's the only way he gets game time, two weeks. What what is the argument? Why 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 should it be like? Well, I think I think the argument is that you know Wakefield have got a man suspended and they've basically just been able to bring someone in for just for to, two weeks uh, to replace yeah, yeah. him. Um, I think another a sort of another side to this as well is is maybe the little surprise that Salford have facilitated it because you know when you know when Salford started the season fairly well they got them two wins first couple of rounds and you know I sort of said last week I didn't think they're going to be down there but if it could feasibly happen that Salford will be back could potentially be battling with Wakefield and Toulouse lower down the table so if you're Salford do you want to be helping Wakefield out for two weeks it's true because you wouldn't have let's say at the top end you wouldn't have a St. Helens play alone and anyone to Wigan or Warrington would they because that is their competition yeah. So you're kind of helping improve your competition side there, aren't you? Unless Salford are thinking, well, actually, we fancy our chances against Toulouse. So if we can help Wakefield beat Toulouse, and 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 and, 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 and probably reading between the lines, that is probably a bit of a conspiracy that people have bought well, into. Is obviously already beaten them once, haven't they? Yeah. A couple of weeks ago. Yeah, I mean, like there's a little bit of a conspiracy. You know, are, are the are the teams, you know trying to do club together to, to make sure the French team goes down you know I mean I'm not sure I buy into that to that conspiracy but um, it is an interesting I always remember when I always remember when Lee loaned out Martin Ridyard to Huddersfield I always when Lee were in Super League and I always thought that was a strange one because Huddersfield were down there that year and I always thought why if you're a club at the bottom why do you want to loan a player that's on your books out to another team to make them strong you know because ultimately they're not they don't want to loan that player for no reason they're seeing that as an opportunity to strengthen their team so um always a a funny one that um big big game for for willie poaching wakefield coach um as i say that without jowett who's banned for for two games we'll, we'll talk about the bands um We'll talk about the bands. The bands is going to be as usual in the good and bad and the ugly, Josh. <laughs> Every week, um, <laughs> you know. That's so, um, in fact, let's do the good and the bad and the ugly. Actually, so I know. Well, you're going to talk about the good because there was a game this week that you really enjoyed. Yeah, I, I definitely enjoyed it more than you as a neutral. Uh, Monday night's game, Witness versus Barra. I thought it's one of the best games I've seen this season in terms of entertainment. Um, I've watched all the Monday night games so far. 
Um, you know, Featherstone and Lee, they're just as entertaining. But I, I really enjoyed Monday's game. Uh, there was a lot of discussion, and I was a witness fan about the referee, some 50-50 calls, but I think Barrow were the better team in the end on the pitch anyway, probably deserved the win. Um, I know that doesn't mean you, the right to get these 50-50 calls, but just in terms of the good for me, that Barrow, that witness versus Barrow game was most in, probably even as well in the Super League, one of the most entertaining games I've seen so far. Yeah, it was... Um... It was a good game, and and, uh, and I think you are right. Barrow were definitely the better team. I think Barrow Witness got twelve in the look, but I think after Witness went twelve in the look, I think Barrow were miles better. I thought they were, you know, they packed. Yeah. I thought Jack Wells, who they signed along from Salford, I thought he did really well. He bringing him on probably changed the game. Um, Hacking Maludi with a bit of magic. In the yeah, senses. you know, and and that was the thing. I think both teams, to be fair, played decent rugby. They tried to throw the ball out a bit. Um, I think sometimes you know you see a lot of Super League games. I mean, let's be fair, you see in Championship as well. Teams get obsessed with just trundling up the middle and um, you know completing the sets. And I suppose the artificial pitch helps a little bit as well because you know you know especially some of the Championship games on a Monday are being played in 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 some pretty muddy conditions. Whereas obviously on that probably the first time Barrow got to play on a, a dry pitch. Yeah, yeah. And so far has been muddy. So as, as soon as their ground's a bit drier at Matt Johnson Prestige, I'm sure the fans will be turning out to watch rugby like that. Yeah, and you know, Maludi. Maludi's a good example. You know, I'd imagine some of the pitches that we've seen in the few weeks, he probably won't be able to do them steps he was doing because his, bo- his boot probably would have yeah. got stuck in the mud. <laughs> um, you know, and, and, and to be fair, you look at that Barrow team and, you know, they've got Sam at in the halves and Maludi obviously at, at centre and T. Richardson's obviously quick on the, on the wing and. Um, Josh Wood at, cent- at hooker, sorry. Yeah, well. and, and they and Barrow won four out of four now, and you know that's that's witness away is obviously the toughest game that they've played. Um, but you know a real, really good, like I say, really good game, some really good tries as well um, in that game. There was you mentioned a couple of incidents. Um, I don't think they had a massive. I don't think they had a massive Im- impact on the game. I think for me it was just more assessing them in the context of everything that's happening in rugby league at the moment um you know so there was the two incidents that i mean i mean i i thought the the, the one of the decisive tries i thought there was forward passes in but i just think you get some of them and you, you know they go both ways some team you know i think witness had a try against Jewsbury a few weeks ago that was off a forward pass so i think things like that happen but i think the two main incidents that maybe caught my eye was just the two incidents that involved kicks so there was a kick from I think it was Matty Smith to the corner. Ryan Ince went up with Shane Toll and was penalised. If you look at that contest, they looked like both players went for the ball. It did as well on, on camera. Obviously, you was at the game watching it. On yeah, the it looked that way as well. Yeah, and, and obviously, I mean, it wasn't a try anyway because he, he he grounded it on the on the dead ball line. But you look at an incident like that and you think if that's going to get penalised, it's like what are players meant to do when they're challenging for kicks? And then the the other one which led to Stephen Tyra being simbin was. He again went for a kick. He probably got to it first, would you say? Tyra got to it first. He got to the ball first, but then as Ritson's gone down, his, yeah, his head's... Yeah, it was head's... a soft one, yeah. It was a, bit, it was a bit soft. I think it needed a few replays and a few added bits on the commentary team to understand exactly what was going on. And, 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 you know, the referee clearly signalled there was a knee to the to the head, but it's like, I understand that they've got to protect... And obviously, we've seen it in recent... You know, for Imo's ban, and we've, we're seeing it now every week where you're looking at some of these incidents and you're thinking... What is like that one on Monday with Steve Tyra? What is he meant to do about that situation? He's genuinely challenged for the ball, and it's an accident, right? That his knee, Ritson's gone down, and and he obviously he's hit. And Tyra's got ten minutes in the Simbin, and now and we've talked about this every week this season. 
10 minutes with a man less maybe in them 10 minutes you can you can do all right but it's gonna fatigue you later on oh, in the game yeah especially in the second half later in the second half as it as it did which you probably witnessed because the that's when the barrel forwards kind of got on top yeah, I mean, I thought Witness actually when when Tyra got simbin, I thought Witness actually did pretty well for the for the for the period of the simbin, and I thought I think Barrow failed to make touch with the penalty twice. Um, but 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 game. from the simbin, they failed to make touch, yeah, and I think with that enabled Witness just to park in Barrow's half for a little while. So I don't think Witness actually did too bad when they actually had twelve. But I think it's just the impact on the whole game. Um, but I think. I wasn't. It wasn't necessarily those incidents related to that match. It was just more about how those things like that seem to be happening in in every game where you're looking at these genuine challenges for the ball that are now getting punished by you know Tyre might cop for a ban. You know we don't know. You know the discipline is Thursday, isn't it for championship? Tyre will probably cop for a ban for that. And and you're looking at it thinking, well, you know, I, I, I understand there's a, and you know we've talked about it. There's a massive thing about protecting against the head and stuff like that, but. It's a contest at the end of the day, and and ultimately, if I'm contesting with you, sometimes something bad might happen because you might, you know, we could run at each other, and if we both decide to put our heads the same way, we're going to clash That'd heads. Happen, yeah. You know, and it's not because I've deliberately gone to clash my head against yours. That's just what's happened. It's just a contact sport. Um, and so that I think in the wider context of of what's going on in 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 rugby, um. That was that, and that leads us on to the bad because we're going to talk about the disciplinary again. Now, the main incident in the disciplinary this week's a spotlight moment in the disciplinary, if you like. There's always one every week. Yeah. Josh Charnley, two match ban. I'm still not. Sure. I'm still. I still. I've seen the clip. I still can't see what he's being banned for. A, a kick, isn't it? Yeah. Kicked, well, I mean, out in the tackle, but it looked a bit. Uh, obviously, Josh Charnley tweeted as well, asking yeah. you know what what, what he's going to do. I think I've seen video of it from a couple of angles. Um, I think clearly, if you watch it in light, I think if you watch it in full speed, you'd never spot it. And I think the problem is, is there's a clip going round where it's very slow motion, and you can see his leg hits the ground, and then his leg comes up again and swings a kick a little bit. But then, I don't think you can, I don't think that you can conclusively say that that was a deliberate motion. That's the thing. You, you've got to now argue your case that Charlie meant to kick. I don't know. Is it Josh Drinkwater who kicks? I think. Yeah. It, I think it ends in a little bit of a scuffle, but. He, so what is the disciplinary then going to say? Well, you deliberately kicked him, therefore it's a two-game ban. Well, I mean, obviously the the thing was in that incident, Warrington got got the penalty um, as well because you think he'd been lifted or, or yeah, over yeah. horizontal, or whatever. I suppose it raised an interesting one because no one, basically no one, uh, you know, our esteemed colleague and friend Matt Turner even said from the Warrington Guardian, he even said you know they weren't expecting anything other than Davis from the disciplinary. No one probably watching the game even noticed it happened. Nope. Um, I, I, I suppose does it raise questions of are we looking too much for stuff like this? You know, like the match review panel's obviously in place and reviews every game and pulls out incidents, but it's like, do we get Should to the point allowed to slow down every single tackle from an eighty-minute game to see if anything? Yeah, because I, it's a bit like, well, that game's gone now. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, well, two-game ban. So you know, so that's he's missing St. Helens class, which is a massive clash for Dow Power side. And and you know, Charlie's been in decent form this season. I think you look at it and you think. That game's gone now. Unless, unless, unless the referee or the officials have noted it in the game, or unless Catalan have made a formal complaint about it, I just don't see why we have to have the forensic analysis of of incidents. I mean, obviously, we don't know whether you know the referee might have said drink water 
said Charlie kicked him or whatever, or he might have noted as part of the incident. But you would imagine that the referee's probably not seen it at the time because otherwise the penalty might not have gone in in, in Warrington's favour. And I just like who is it benefiting? I think digging up that incident that yeah because it's Catalan's gone now isn't it so that, yeah the game's gone it was against Catalan and the game's gone they won it so they're probably just move, they're going to move on from it anyway so it's only it's only benefiting Saints and Wakefield the thing the, 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 but the thing with it is if that ban hadn't have happened no one would have even mentioned it it would never have been talked about again but because the match review panel has seen this incident and being like oh well we don't like that and banned him. It's like it's, it's, it's created a big stir, like you know. That, you've like got, it. you know, you've got two, you've got, you've got a good player on the sidelines for two matches, um, and once again, it's just every week, you know, like there's a disciplinary, and you know, and you just think, are, are we? You know, I'm not, I'm not, I don't particularly care about it as much as other people do, but you know, and I've seen arguments about it where what is the deal with a punit, you know. The, they are the match review panel are looking at incidents and applying the bans as they've been instructed. That's fine, um, but are the bans just too? You know, are they necessary? You know, what what are we achieve? You know, what are we achieving, or what is the game achieving by banning Josh Charlie for two matches? You know, we're not. It's inconclusive whether it was a deliberate act for one, um, but. What what is what are they hoping to achieve? You know, if that happened, if that incident happens again, the same thing could happen again because not we're not hundred percent sure that Charlie's deliberately kicked him. And if it wasn't on Sky with the zoomed in frames that we had, if it was just a let's say a yeah for one, game, camera, one yeah. camera, it'd never been picked up. Yeah, that's a, that's a fair point as well. Um, there were there were some other bands. Cameron Hall got banned. Matt Davis and Warrington got banned as well. Um, Cruz Lehman and Cameron Smith were banned for Leeds as well. I've wrote a name down here, Josh. I can't even read my own writing. Um, so we don't know who that is. Um, but I think it's, calm, it's calming down a little bit, but I yeah, still not, think you can, you I, know. I think the Charlie incident, if that didn't happen, this week could have gone pretty smoothly and, and no one would have questioned any of it. Because of that Charlie incident, it's put it all back in the spotlight again. Yeah. Um... Another bit of news, uh, Hulkar have stood down Brad Takirangi for at least the next three games as he awaits um, a court case over driving, drink driving, was it Josh? Yeah. Alleged drink driving. Um, the ugly this week, we're going for Bradford, Odsall. Um, now, obviously it's been great that Bradford have returned to Odsall, but there was a picture that circulated on social media the other day of the players walking across the dirt track at Odsall over some sort of wooden... Um, I don't know what you'd call it. Someone planks, did, yeah. Wooden planks. Someone did compare it to um, an image from the Second World War, actually, which... Um, it's a bit extreme, <laughs> isn't it? There is, a, there is a Twitter account floating around that I have nothing to do with. I should... I should pointing this out as a, as a disclaimer uh, called Amateurish Rugby League which points out some of the things that maybe Rugby League does that maybe it could probably avoid um, now obviously Bradford can't avoid the dirt track at Odsall they could maybe avoid tweeting pictures like that um, what, what what do you think? Yeah obviously that dirt track around it isn't, that's helping the club bring in yeah, and, that, and don't get me wrong. Why, that's why they're there, but you're right, it doesn't look pretty. And whoever the media guy is there has probably gone, oh dear, what have I done? 
Because he's put a picture on Instagram, hasn't he, of the players coming out over this. Yeah, I mean, you know, and I, and I think the dirt track, the dirt track adds to what Oddsell's about. Do you know what I mean? I don't, I, you know, I have no issues with it being a dirt track, but I think you've just got to. There's been plenty of talk on the Oddsell because even the pitch is a bit. Yeah, strange. I mean, the, the, pi- the, the corners pi- aren't quite right. The, the pitch was a joke last last year. There's no there's no two ways about it. They've they've sort of, it has been widened a little bit since last summer. Um, there's still some question marks over the corners. There's some like coverings over the track. You know, um, it's not ideal, but I think it's still much better that Bradford are playing at Oddsall than than if they were playing at, at, at Dewsbury. Um, I know some Bradford fans are are a little bit questioning of the transparency around Oddsall and you know of course the deal that the RFL took over the lease I think uh, you know when Nigel Wood was at the RFL and now of course Nigel Wood's at Bradford um, there's a few question marks about that there's also question marks about whether the you know the dirt track stuff or the speedway whatever it is it's there um, does that benefit the club in any way probably not but nobody really knows um, and so there are some calls about for some transparency from from Bradford about that, but that's me ugly for the week, Josh. Looking ahead to, uh, but we've still got John Bateman to come, formerly of Bradford, of course. He's uh, sat down with Drew. Um, let's just have a quick run through of this weekend's game. The NRL starts on Thursday morning our time, Friday morning our time, Thursday. Thursday Penrith against Manly is the first game, and uh, that's nine o'clock English time on UK time, I should say, on Thursday. Um, the Sky Super League game on Thursday. Leeds are on again. Um, I think I've seen a stat somewhere that Leeds will be on TV across like a six-week period. I think uh, I think Leeds were on seven of the first eight rounds. Yeah, I yeah. Think. But then at the same time, I, you know, I, I think you could make a sound case for Leeds being the the biggest club, well, you know, the big, oh, certainly yeah, in the biggest. I'm not against the broadcasters when you're looking at the clubs in the Super League. You got to think they want to put ones on that are going to bring in the viewers. Yeah, the yeah. The you know, you know, they biggest. they regularly have the you know they're up there in terms of crowds. It's a city, you know. I think ultimately Man United are on TV quite yeah, a lot, yeah. you know, and I think Leeds are effectively you know a Man United equivalent in in rugby league. Anyway, Leeds are playing Hull and Hull. Um, Hull, no matter who, what they do, no matter who they have as a coach, no matter who players they have, they always seem the same. Very Jekyll and Hyde. Some weeks they look all right, other weeks they're awful. Um, they lost to Casford last week, a week after you know bashing Salford. So it'll be interesting to see which which side of Hull turns up at Headingley on Thursday night. Flip that though, Casford's first win in the season. Lee yeah, Lee Radford. Yeah, I mean to be fair, Lee Radford. Some of the comments he made last week and build up to the game about the playbook, they were <laughs> yeah. quite good. And actually, I bet he's probably um, feeling quite happy with himself after uh, after that win. Uh, the, the other games, as we mentioned, Wakefield to lose. We've already gone through Salford against Hull KR, um, which is an interesting one because Hull KR. I've probably not got the results that they've wanted. They obviously they beat Castleford. They lost to Saints last week. They probably wouldn't expect to to win that. Salford have. One two, then lost two quite heavily, um, so that might be a. It's a winnable game for both. They'd be seeing it as, wouldn't they? I think, yeah. I think whoever loses that would probably be disappointed, yeah, especially yeah, because definitely. Salford are at home. I think Ulker would probably fancy themselves as favourites away at Salford. Um, that'd be interesting. One one bugbear for me actually is the Friday night games. Is one kicks off at seven thirty, one's at seven forty-five, and one's at eight o'clock. Why not the off? Why don't they all just kick off at the same time? time. It does my head in in rugby league. How how many changes they have? Well, let's be honest. One will kick off at 10-2 because it's always going to happen. One will kick at 10 past eight. St. Helens Warrington is the Sky game on Friday. Um, You can listen to my dulcet tones actually on BBC Radio Merseyside, Josh, for that one. I'll get that plug in. Uh, um, (laughs) St. Helens Warrington. 
I mean, it'd be a typical Warrington thing to do to probably turn up and beat Saints, but you just can't see Warrington's pack doing anything against Saints. No, the pack looked pretty poor against Catalan, but not even just... Well, I suppose on the back of the pack is all the halfbacks. Your halfbacks will play off the back of strong from a strong pack. George Williams, Gareth Widdup, Stephen Ratchford didn't do much for me against Catalans. Their best player, I thought, was um, Toby King. He looked pretty dangerous with the ball in hand uh, every time he caused his opposite numbers some some problems. Uh, but then he made the mistake for the Romano try, Josh. Well did, so, yeah. Um, it, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, obviously we, we we probably need another podcast to talk about kickoff times and stuff. But I always think that the the Sky game should be standalone. I just don't think people should play Friday night. If there's a game on Sky on Friday night, no other team should play. Just think everyone should be watching that game. Especially when it's Saints versus Warrington as well. But it's good to see it on a Friday night rather than a Thursday because Friday night should be the big game night for me. Um, and then Saturday, there's another two games on Sky. So we're, we're almost a bit like feast or famine in the Super League this season, Josh. One, we've either got four games on TV or two. I don't know why they can't just figure it out so there's three on every week. But that's that's, that's another story. So Huddersfield and Castleford's on on Sky on Saturday afternoon. I think that's quarter past three, Yeah, I think. It sounds about right. And then Catalan versus Wigan. I think that's a bit later on. Usually the Catalan are about five, six o'clock, but I think it, it might be six, seven. seven. Yeah. I mean, don't forget we've got British. It's not British summertime yet, so that might impact on that. But anyway, oh, yeah. Catalan versus Wigan. So there's four live games for you to enjoy on Sky, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. It'd be interesting to see how Wigan do at Catalan because this is the first time. I mean, it's the first time it's happened, but obviously Wigan have made this conscious effort to get their two French away games back to back they've stayed over in France and turned it into a little bit of a bit of a training camp and I suppose ultimately the proof will be in the pudding if they win against Catalan they'll probably think yeah it was a great idea we'll do it again next year if they lose then they might not do it next year they might not no I think they missed uh, Tommy Lulai against Toulouse from what I read so I think he'll be back against Catalan I think in fact it was a we have had a piece yeah, on that yes you are good that was a good plug Josh I'll give you that one um, it, there's no championship this game uh, this weekend because it's Challenge Cup and there's another four games that you are able to watch live um, New, uh, North Wales Crusaders the last league one team in the cup are home to Sheffield that's an hour league on Saturday afternoon I think it's half one uh, big Cumbrian derby, Barrow against Workington. That's on BBC iPlayer on Sunday at 1. That's a big game. Barrow have won four league games. They've won the cup game as well. Workington, both of them teams got promoted from League 1 last season, but Workington are struggling in the league, it's fair to say. Um, yeah, I think they just come back up on the back of a, a yeah, they got, defeat. Yeah, they Sheffield. lost by 50 yeah. against Sheffield last week. Um, so that's on BBC. Batley Featherston is live on the Sportsman. That's a 3 o'clock on Sunday. Um, Whitehaven and York unfortunately isn't live anywhere I'm sure BBC Radio Cumbria will be covering it though if you want to listen to it and then um, there's another game on Premier Sports on Monday I, I wasn't convinced by this choice maybe we can talk about this actually Bradford against Lee is the uh, live game on Premier Sports which obviously we saw a couple of weeks ago with, well yeah so Lee beat Bradford it was at Lee wasn't it yeah, I think yeah. um, pretty convincingly in the end wasn't it Lee have basically they beat Bradford and Widnes by the same score 38-4 and I'd be surprised if we see anything different. I just think there's just such a gulf between the full-time teams and the part-time teams, especially on a Monday. Uh, Been to see what Bradford. I mean, some people might say to me, "Well, you know, Bradford beat Leeds a few years ago in in Challenge Cup." Yeah. Um, that, was that a quarter final? I think it might be in the round before. Yeah, was it to get to the quarter uh, finals? Be interesting to see that Bradford come off the back of a decent win against Batley last week. 
Um, we'll get to see a close-up of the dirt track at least live on, on Premier Sports. Um, so the five winners from the Challenge Cup will then go into the next round, the sixth round, where they're joined by 11 Super League teams. Toulouse aren't in it this year. They haven't been in it for a few years. Whether they should be allowed to do that again is another debate. Um, but that's it. So let's go into the big interview this week. Drew Darbish is asking the questions. We caught up with Wigan and England back rower John Bateman. Keep up with all things Rugby League 24-7. Head on over to loverugbyleague.com. Uh, joined by uh, a player that's done uh, a bit of everything on the, the Love Rugby League podcast today in the in the form of John Bateman. John Bateman, welcome to the Love Rugby League podcast. Uh, just first of all, just tell us and explain to us how it all started for you in your, your Rugby League journey. Um, through my big brother, I met. Um, he signed my Obviously, my big brother and my nana and my mum and that were massive Bradford fans, obviously, at the time, but I hated rugby to fair. I didn't really like going and watching. That when Bradford were pretty pretty good at the time, so they'd go off to all finals and I'd stay at home with. I think it was like one of my best mates' mum, so I'd literally stayed at home for. When they went to games, then just one time, my mum was like, why don't you give it a go? And um, the amateur coach, at, well, obviously, later on, he was called Jason Lee and started the team up, so I just went went and gave it a go and just got into it for, since there, really, my mum. I thought it'd be a good way for me to take some aggression out instead of me and my brother fighting all the time. So that was probably from there and just started loving it ever since. I, I played two years above when I first started. So I had to we had to, I had to move, because there were no team, uh, age group in my team, so yeah. then I had to move down another age. So then I played a year above, literally all the way through me. I mean, she would be really, so yeah, pretty good. So you said you was a, a late bloomer, was football the priority sport? Not then, really, mate. No, not really. I just, I don't, don't want really. I literally just love being out with my mates, really. I didn't really play much sport. My brother was massive in rugby and still is today. Like, he's probably one of the people that I li- part of me probably listen, listen to most of my obviously coaches and stuff like that, but my brother probably understands the game and stuff and he plays himself. So, like, he more or less got me into it, probably seeing him play, going to watch him play and stuff like that. Seeing it as, a, as a, one of the things that I'd love to do myself. So, as soon as you kind of picked up a rugby ball, you, you kind of fell in love with the game and then was it that moment that you thought I want to do this as a career I want to do this as no, a job no I all met to fair I probably just just doing it as a little kid just as you do as a little kid just running around just having a bit of fun obviously yeah. with your mates and I played played, played at Dunhill all my career and literally got most of my best mates to this day still from from that team that I played with all, all the way right through um, yeah just stayed there and just obviously as you play more and more each year I think it must have, I think I got to about probably about under 11s under 12s like people probably more so from the opposite team like saying like oh who's that kid who's that kid and oh he's going to do good and stuff and yeah just as I went on I got, got to what, about 12 year old I think and just went to high school and as high school were pretty good at football to a fair minute. we had quite a few kids like young lads that were signed on at like Chelsea and Arsenal and stuff like that so we were pretty good as a football team but then obviously I played football but I played rugby as well and just Got into it at high school. I ended up playing for a year above at high school, um, and just went forward with it. Really, and signed a scholarship at pretty early at Bradford. I wasn't really meant to be on the scholarship at all, like a year above, because I played. They said, "Oh, you can come along." Just really found love of it there, really, mate. And obviously, once you start getting better at something, that's when I was like, right, I can, I can make some others." And probably a bit too much at the time. I was just like, I "Don't want to do anything else apart from rugby league." Or, I knew I could make a career of it. I didn't. I didn't obviously know how far I could go, but I knew I had a chance of it. So, 
you, you became a dad very early on, didn't you? Yeah. Uh, I think you, you became a dad when you were 16, so you, was you in the Bradford Academy at, at that time? And uh, Yeah, well, you funnily no... enough, mate, I've, I've started at Bradford at 12, and 13 I came out of Wigan. So I, I used to literally my granddad, my mum's dad and my mum, and my mum was finished work early. Fair play to when my granddad finished work early, just uh, um, and I'd finished school pretty early as well. I'd fin- normally we'd finish at like half two, I'd have to finish at like half one because we'd have to get home, get changed and obviously come over here. And some, some days we wouldn't even make it for training, we'd literally get here with like half an hour training left and we'd be like, what's the point in this and get back. And we did that for a full year, which which were good at the time, obviously, I was a young kid and wanted to, wanted to do something like that. Then from there, we went to, I went to Leeds a year after just to see what it was like and, and spend another year there. And it was probably more about me seeing whatever everywhere else I like because I knew I was going to have to make a decision when it came to it, if I'm honest with you. And obviously about signing at a club and where, where I wanted to make my debut at that club really. And yeah, just went from there. And I had quite a few offers when I got to, I think it was 16 it was, mate. And, yeah, it was, it was weird. Just like obviously, you you sign, feel like signing your life away. You don't feel like you know what I mean. Like you come to that point where you're like, shit, what am I gonna do here? Like where am I gonna go? I suppose that's a good thing to have. It's good. It's good to have options. It's probably more worrying part is when you don't have options on your table. And yeah, obviously, Miller came along around about the same time as what I was making my decision to sign for the club. I probably before she came along, I probably that's not saying I've, I've going off a beaten track a little bit, but I won't really. I yeah, I, I liked. I like. Obviously, I wanted to play rugby and that, but probably started doing it. I was doing other stuff that I shouldn't been doing, and I'm around with people that I shouldn't been doing and stuff like that. And probably just getting myself caught in situations that I probably I shouldn't have been. Probably more or less because we had a pretty close friendship where I was from. We stick up for each other and get each other, and we'd probably get us in trouble because we were having fights here, there, and everywhere and stuff like that. And yeah, Millie came along, she was probably my saviour to fair mate, if I'm really honest, as much as obviously she's my daughter now, she, she, she pushed me in the right, di- well not pushed me, I pushed myself in the right direction because I knew I had, I had someone to look after and I had to take care of them and it literally all fell into place, she was born, I left school and signed for Bradford literally within two weeks of leaving school. And madness to the fair, I, I still can't believe it now, like I literally went from finishing school straight to Bradford and Oh yeah. Did it, did it seem like a bit of a whirlwind that that couple of weeks? Because so obviously you, you've had Millie at such a young age. Yeah. That must be a, such a, a life changing experience anyway for a, a sixteen year old to, to to bring another person yeah, into well, this world well, and then to obviously leave school and then go on to to sign yeah. professional terms with Bradford. Yeah. God bless my mum. I didn't I didn't tell her for seven months. I just I couldn't. I was shitting myself. Like I sorry for language, but I absolutely I didn't know what to do. Like I literally got. We had a chat this morning saying, what's one of the scariest moments you have? And I said, literally, I remember being on my break at dinner and my, my girlfriend at the time, she came up to me and just showed me a scan and I was like, what's that? And she was like, oh, you're having a baby. And I did tell anyone at all for seven months and I was just like, what am I going to do here? I told one of my best mates and he literally turned up to me and said, yeah, I don't know, mate. <laughs> <laughs> so I didn't have no one else to really talk to. I didn't speak to anyone about it. And it just... The longer longer it gets as a kid you think it's going to go away don't you and at the time obviously I, I didn't know what to do and started doing sex education classes and I thought it was a bit too late for me this <laughs> um, but yeah and I just yeah it just snowballed like that then one of the teachers rang me once and told her which I'm which to this day now I'm thankful about but at the time I hated the teacher obviously but yeah my mum took, took out obviously most parents do pretty shocked by the beginning and 
And the next question, what well, I answered you, and I like, well, well, in about two months, and she was like, what? <laughs> uh, first time I've ever heard my mum swear. <laughs> Put it that way, and she was like, yeah, she couldn't believe it. But yeah, now, mate, like, like I said, like, I won't, I won't change for the world. She's, she's yeah, the best thing that's ever happened to me, no doubt about it. And yeah, she, it was, like I said, it was just my fault, right? I'm going to have to. I'm gonna to have to buckle up here a little bit. I'm gonna to have to put something else to fight for. But it seems like everything happens for a reason. Comes comes into play here because you, you said you weren't. You said you was playing well and enjoying your rugby, but you wasn't really kicking on. Yeah. And, and you and she was. You've just said she was your, your saviour in a way that yeah, you went on to, yeah. to to maybe kick on and, and reach the levels that you your potential have. Yeah, I'd probably say something motivation more than not, mate. And the, the fact of. She made me grow up, so like that would have been thing. Like, I, she made me grow up very quickly, and not uh, obviously making. She told me to grow up, like she only baby, but I, I had to grow up as a person. My mum were there telling me a lot. My family were there telling me a lot, and I couldn't, I couldn't thank them enough for what they did. But yeah, it just made me grow up, and then I knew what I. Not, I'm not saying I became like the most cool on kid ever. Like I, I knew certain stuff that I had to do, and that would provide for and. I suppose in life that's that's one of the main things you want to provide for your loved ones and that's what I wanted to go out and do and obviously went on and signed for Bradford then obviously, obviously offered a back decision that I had Millie because I, I even had offers to go to Australia as well at the time for when I was young kids so but yeah for me mate that was the right choice and that was probably the best choice I've ever, I've ever made definitely definitely in 2011 then you, you made your, your Super League debut for, for Bradford uh, I remember you playing Playing for Bradford and the most noticeable thing about you, John, was your your little rats uh, <laughs> at the back. Yeah, I suppose that was a young thing as well at the time. Um, yeah, quite a few people say that. I remember, I'm, yeah, it was one of like obviously proudest moments in my career, mate. To fair Bradford, I still do now. Keep keep in touch and watch her, watch your get, try watch the games and keep on keep in touch with the scores. Sorry, and follow them as much as I can. Really, the, the club close to me heart and. Always will be like mum literally lives five minutes down the road, so it's like one of the things. But yeah, played made my debut in Catalan. I remember we played Salford week before and it at the old Willows Stadium and I'm I rate you fan because you have to be cold boy back then. And it was yeah, mad to think. But then like I remember walking straight in change rooms after and we just could be enamoured by Salford and Mick Potter just turned around and said, Yeah, hey, we think you'll be ready to go next week and I'm like, What? And you're like, You think you'll be ready to go? Like, yeah, 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 yeah. So but you were yeah. you were really thrown into yeah, the deep yeah, end. Yeah, literally. And um, rang my mum, obviously, unfortunately we were in Catalan at the time, but rang my mum and that, and she was like, what, what do you mean? I said, oh, I'm going to play next week. And I thought, obviously, I'll play, come off the bench, blah, 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 and got to Catalan and said, yeah, you'll be setting loose forward, I'll literally about 90k went through, and I was like, what? That's when Catalan was, I don't think they had a forward under 110k at times, so I was like, shit, right, we're ready to go here. Played the game, I, I, <laughs> literally, I remember for the... Game ended up like absolutely belling it down. Like I think it went off on Sky. My mum didn't even see like twenty minutes of the game. My first involvement was um, I carried ball. I thought I've done pretty decent. Carried made about ten meters forward. Got took about twenty meters back. <laughs> <laughs> then the second involvement was I went through like as a blocker. Mark Herbert kicked the ball. Obviously last tackle hit me back head. It was accidental offside. So like, oh shit. <laughs> and the third one was. Matt Diskin jumped out of dummy half and literally all I had to do was catch ball because it was pissing it down at the time, but brain at the time. Ball went straight through my hands, hit me, and I was bust my nose and 
Yeah, I did think I'd play again. Thankful for Mick Pottery, who believed in me and trusted me, and I played again the week after. So, yeah, it was. So, so then that was, that was your, your breakthrough season. You, you played 35 games for, for the Bulls, obviously. That was when the, the club was in uh, the, the hard times of administration, wasn't it? And then just explain to me how the, how the move came about to, to Wigan. Um, obviously, with Bradford being uh, in, in money troubles. Yeah. Did Wigan come calling? Did a host of clubs come, come calling? Because I know there was quite a few Bradford lads who, who were being touted yeah. by, by other clubs at the time. Yeah, Elliot, Elliot went first, he was Catalan and Elliot was a close mate of mine, he was, he was, he still is today, but he was, he was the one who like, used technical training and all that, so um, obviously he'd, he'd been gone, I remember, because I couldn't drive at the time, my granddad used technical training, but he used to take my mum to work first, so he dropped my mum off at work and take me to training. I remember just putting radio on and it said Bradford had been put in administration, I was just like, well, we'd not heard anything about it, and we, I was like, what the hell? So my mum were like, oh, like saying, oh, we're not going to get paid and stuff. So I'm like, what's going on here? I'd obviously go to, go to training, got told then, I mean, Omar, Omar Khan came in. And they all said, I mean, Khan then. Omar <laughs> Khan came in, he's claimed to be this big bloke at the Sabre Club, then end up, obviously, going back into administration again. And yeah, I was with Andy Clark at the time, the agent, and he rang me and said, oh, what do you think to Wigan? What do you think to blah, blah, blah? So. Um, yeah, just one of my, uh, Well, firstly, um, I had a. <laughs> you, I asked Wayne about the meeting. I had a week meeting, like big board in in Andy Clark's office, like a big boardroom, and I was absolutely, I was shitting myself, like literally. We're gonna just gone and double, and I was like, what? Why? Why are we gonna try to sign me? Like what? What they're seeing me, blah blah. blah. And I had a meeting with Rad's Wayne and Matt Bitcoin at the time and my agent and I was literally sat outside the table and I was sweating, dripping, I was just like, that, that, that. couldn't even talk, couldn't get any words out. I only, only just got 19 and Wayne just like told everyone to go out of the room and he was just like, listen mate, just calm down. <laughs> I was like, I can't, <laughs> I don't know why. Like, I, I just couldn't, I couldn't get anything out, I couldn't talk or anything, like I was just nervous as all. Like, I, for me, like it, Wigan's biggest club in the world and I just couldn't get over the fact why they were interested in me to fair. And had a chat with him and went from there really. And, it came down, I think it came down to a certain day, Bradford needed to pay a loan and Wigan needed to, obviously to pay for me. And I remember Chris Olinsky drove over to, to, to my mum's house at the time, because obviously I lived at home at about half eleven at night to get the contract signed. And I said to my mum, brother, like, Chris Olinsky's coming, and my mum's like, what? And I'm like, Chris Olinsky's coming over, and she's like, because obviously they've seen Chris Olinsky play. Like, no way. <laughs> I was like, oh, he's coming here. <laughs> like, yeah. And obviously it was late, so I came, signed the contract then. Went from there, really, mate. And obviously, was, you, was your mum cleaning the house? Yeah, was your mum cleaning the house? I was going to be, I was going to be. <laughs> but like, I'm not sure. She's like, ask him, Mark. I can't ask him how long I was going to be, just so you were clean up. She's like, oh, I'm in the pyjamas. I'm like, <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, it was pretty, pretty exciting at the time. And yeah, it just went from there, like I said, mate. And obviously, moved over here. You're, you're, a, you're very much a Sean Wayne type of player, though. Um, I think we all know that the type of player that Wayne likes and, and you set, you you kind of fit the bill in it. and he does like a, a project in a, in a player as well obviously you were still a very young lad at, at the time John so what was the, the conversation like between you and Wayne what did he say yeah. he wanted you to bring to Wigan he, spoke, he just said what he liked from me really mate and he didn't really I think he noticed I was absolutely bombing myself and I couldn't talk so he didn't really ask for much from myself but he was just telling me what they, they see me me and like where I would be and he didn't really I, I wasn't even expected to play. I don't think when he signed me, mate. And like I said, I think I was a bit of a more of a project to him. Obviously, he, he knew, like, obviously, he must have seen something and just went from there, really. And yeah, 
just just literally came train and I, I remember Dan Sargenson signed at the time and me, Dan moved in with me and we just we both like I think we both pretty similar in the fact that we both just train hard, work hard and I think that's what the we, we had a few chats up when we lived together and we just said like let's just whip in here and see how it goes and Saturday ended up making his debut. Well, we both made his debut with the World Cup Challenge against Roosters over there and I came off at bench and Saturday started so it was just from there mate to the fair and just yeah just. It was just one of the things, like like I said, that Wayne always, Wayne always must have seen something in me, and he took the chance for that, and I couldn't thank him any much. Yeah, you made, you made your debut in that World Club Challenge against uh, the Roosters, up against uh, the likes of Sonny Bill Williams. Yeah. Did did you expect to be playing for for Wigan so early on, or did you did you expect yourself to be a, a little bit of a squad player and and kind of had to to push your way into the yeah, team? Yeah, more so, mate. Like I said, I did just come off a winning double and all that. I, I couldn't get my head around why he didn't need him. And obviously, like I said, it was squad play at the time. And I remember sat on, sat on the bike warming up and, uh, in, in the Wigan gym and Harrison Hansen walked in and he literally just tapped me on the back here and oh, mate, I'm going to Salford. And at the time, I was like, oh, shit. Like, I was gutted about it. But then at the same time, I was like, yes, get in there. <laughs> like, <laughs> like that, that, that's one less person for me to worry about in a way. And yeah, so I just went from there really, mate. And that I, I seen it as my chance, my opportunity to open up. And I thought I'm gonna to have to take this. Like it's, it's an opportunity I've always been wanting. I want, I want, I want even close to playing first team or for Wigan. I know, I know I want, but I just thought I'd just work hard and try hard and hopefully go from there. You know what I mean? And, and that's what I tried to do. Do Jack Hughes out at the time and obviously Faz at the time as well. So it was just that really, mate. The Warriors were stuck with with uh, Tal. Uh, at that time, which is which is kind of starstruck at any moments on that first day. I know, I know when you was mentioning about Hanson coming up to you and saying yeah. he, he was off to solve when when you trade him with like a peak Sean or Lachlan yeah. or a, or um, would Sam Tompkins have no, been? No, Sam had just Sam? left. Like, just gone to the Mickey, Mar- Mickey Mark and Daz Golding and, and Faz, yeah, Faz, Faz, Faz himself. Faz, well. yeah. Was, like, were there any moments where you like? Well, yeah. like I'm, I'm next to Lockwood in the gym, like yeah, Brian Shaw Lockwood yeah. in the gym. Literally, mate, like we, yeah. Obviously, I speaking about it now because I know Mickey, but I didn't know Mickey back then. And um, first day, first day, believe it or not, first day we had training. So I'm coming over and it was absolutely pissing it down the motorway. And the window wiper broke, so I was like, "What we gonna do?" So I had to ring Wayne. I was like, "Mate, I can't make it to training." And he was like, "What?" I was like, "The window wiper." Stuck in the little like I had to pull over our shoulder, I was stuck in our shoulder, like the window wipe was broke. So then they were like, don't worry about it, mate, come in tomorrow and I was like, Sam, what we are like, wait for AA to come, I was like, what am I going to do here? Like, I bet they think I'm taking Mick or something like that. And Mickey Mac texts me saying, hi, it's Mickey, you better get to training. So I was like, what? So I was like, but I was like, what, mate? <laughs> he was like, why aren't you at training? I was like, the window wipe was broken. He was like, not a good enough excuse, you better get to training. I was like, <laughs> so I'm like, so, uh, I'm like, shit, what am I going to do here? So I'm like, try to ring him and ring him and he didn't answer the phone. Then he rang me back and he goes, hello. And he, he, got, he must have been serious for about two minutes. And I'm like, I'm like, mate, I can't do what I'm so, so he, Then he like, ah, I'm only joking. And I'm like, oh, shit. <laughs> like, I just felt like, I felt like my body just disappeared. But yeah, from there, just got used to it. Like he said, for me, mate, it was more the fact of, I just been in a WhatsApp group with him, weird stuff like that, having a phone number, thinking, shit, like I'm actually, I actually know him, you know what I mean? Like it was, it was the same feel, like it was just weird. It just I couldn't get my head around this kid from Bradford that always just played rugby because he just loves playing rugby. Like has ended up probably put being in the best team in England and close to the world. You know what I mean at the time. So yeah, it was good. It was a good feeling. 
what, what are your favourite memories from them early days at Wigan then? Because you were still in your early 20s, so yeah. that was that's a massive part of your life because uh, you, you kind of becoming an adult then, aren't you, yeah. in those years? Yeah, well, just, we had a pretty good, we had a pretty, I just remember that, just the little group of young lads that we had at the time, we had probably one of the best, like, I don't think any other team probably brought through a group what we brought through at the time in the likes of me, George, Budgie, Lewis Tierney, when he, when he broke through Gilly, you know what I mean? Like Sarge, I think we had Sutty. Yeah, Sutty, yeah. We had a, we had a group of lads that were just like, were pretty, it's, for, for, yeah, pretty it's, freakish to get It's out. like what, yeah. what's in a generation yeah, thing, yeah, isn't it? Yeah. We had it at Leeds yeah, yeah. 20 years ago with the Maguire Bureau, yeah. Ryan Bailey generation, and then uh, at Wigan now. Yeah, and, and when, when you sit back and like you think we had some good players and we as, as kids we knew it as well we knew what we were good you know what I mean and that's that's what I think made us into probably I think we went what did we do go back to back well we didn't go back to back as in winning we went to I think we made four grand finals at bounce and it was just like how good is this like first first four years it was just like obviously we didn't win the first three but first two I think it was and we were like it's alright we'll, you know, we'll, we'll get there next year like, and it was just mad like to think and yeah we enjoyed it that's for sure like we had a, we had a good time along the way and Probably the best time in my life, to be fair. You know what I mean? I had, I had all my mates on that side, and then, yeah, playing for the best club in the world, doing doing the best job in the world. Like, I don't think there's much more you could complain about, really. So, so from that first into Wigan in that four seasons that, that you are with the club, what would be your standout highlight? Oh, was it a certain game, or was it a certain moment off the field that you had, or? From the winning grand final, like, winning grand final in 2016 were good. Then, then the World Cup, that World Cup challenge in 2017 against Cronulla. Obviously, we went to play at Rubbish Year that year. Like, um, I would, I would end up bouncing back with 2017. One, two, good. But to two fun, that uh, that grand final, then the challenge, then the sorry, then the World Cup challenge. Just to say, listen, like the best team in the world, man. Like, like I said, the kid from Bradford is just coming with him. Yeah, playing. You know what I mean? Like, it, it was pretty surreal to be fair. Then obviously the 2018 season for me. Announcing that we're leaving, obviously other people leaving, Wayne leaving, and just the way we finished it, and just the way we finished and wound up winning it, and it was just it was class to fair mate. It was, it was a good ride, and like all along as well. But I think it was the last nine games, man, all seven games, something like we. I just didn't. None of us felt like we were gonna lose. Like we were just like, if someone had said to us, "Oh, do you think you'll win it?" and I, I just said, "Put your mortgage on it." Like I just felt like we felt like good, and you know what I mean, like. It was just a feeling around the place, it was just a buzz that we had a job to do and that's what job we were going to go out and do and we did it week in, week out and it was just a great feeling to affirm it. Good stuff and, it, and it, then in 2018, you, your last season with Wigan before you, yeah. you went over to Australia, was it tough when you had to announce that you'd be leaving the club oh. at, at the end of the season to, to go to Canberra and, and how much did you did you contemplate not going? Yeah, before you went? like I had meetings after meetings with Rads were in Ian, Ian and stuff like that. And I, I remember, I remember the time. Um, I didn't like a make or break meeting type. Not not make or break. Like I am staying, I am staying meeting. And I, met, I went down to Ian's office in Milton Kings. Got trained down. Literally went down. Had a good chat with him. What he saw and what he wanted and stuff like that. And I just thought for myself where I was in my career. I just wanted to go. I wanted to go and test myself. And Ian put everything on the table. Blah blah blah. And I said. Like this is what you're putting. This is what you could be in so many years. This is what when you be captain and blah 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 after lockers and all that. Yeah, I took it all in and I just made a decision. I'm back on the train. and Just had a had a good think about it about two hours or something. And just made a decision there and then um, just to 
just to go move forward and well, you know what I want to test myself and I remember ringing I remember ringing Rad's no my agent texted me and my agent was like right what's you going to do I was told him so like okay obviously told well I told my mum and that first I spoke to my mum and that she was like oh well it's up to you she wants to help you right she was she didn't want me to go to her bless her um, I don't think anyone would that, yeah one of them things and I had a conversation with Millie and stuff like that and, and told Rad's then we were like John what are you going to do and I'm like, I'll come, I want to, I'll come to your house. I remember he what first bought, like, giving me the opportunity and came and seen me, sat down with me and I did say to the guys, I went and seen, went and seen Wayne at his house and he like, what, what are you coming to see me for? I said, come have a chat. I just sat down and said, no, I just feel like I'm going to, this was before he announced he was leaving as well. So like, I just want this opportunity to tell you like, thank you and that, like, obviously still got a year, but I'm just going to move on and just going to take the opportunity and, I want to give it a go. Like I don't want to be that bloke in when I'm 45 year old saying oh, I could have done that. I, you know what I mean? I could have gone to Australia, but I didn't. And yeah, just took the opportunity. And they were out. It was weird. It was weird. Once I told them, obviously they were like, oh, buzzing. Like then I didn't literally hear up from Canberra. And I'm like, fucking hell, they still want me. Like what, what's going on here? Like, like was was it just Canberra after you? Or there were a couple, 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 couple of teams, but the fact of obviously my mates being there and I spoke to Ricky quite a bit, and Ricky was pretty good with with what he wanted from me. And, I trusted the boys' opinion, saying, "Listen, you like it here. It's a family club, and blah blah blah." So, yeah, then just literally went from there and told Canberra. So they were like, "Yes, yeah, we right, we'll announce it in three months." And I'm like, three months? Like, God, I couldn't change my mind in three months. Like, are you sure?" Like, so like, "Yes, yeah, we will announce it." End up signing a contract and that. So then, it it was obviously it's a weird feeling that no you know it, but no one else knowing. So you like, yeah, I've done it. But yeah, everyone's asking. Yeah, you yeah. It. But then you are like. No, no, not not what's happened yet. But then I'm still like, yeah, I can change my decision card. So then one week I'd come in, I'm like, happy as all. I'm like, you know what, should we just stay here? Then I'm like, right, you're in, you're like, you're in your comfort zone, aren't you? Like, you know what I mean? So got to that, then it got announced and the announcement of feel, uh, the, the feeling of announcing it was just, I was just like, oh, shit, like it's happening. Like it is actually so true. Like I'm going to, then the, the more and more we got to, right, last, I'm thinking this is going to be the last training session. This is going to be the last game. This is going to be the last time I do this. Last time mum and so-and-so come watching for Wigan. And it was just everything you're looking at. Oh, that's going to be the last time I could... You know what I mean? Just stuff like that. And yeah, it was a big decision. Obviously, a big, massive decision for my family. I was just... It was the hardest decision I've ever made towards my family. And doing something for them and what I wanted to do. But also myself, like, it's, it's not a long career. You will believe you. Retire. Retire as quick as what you start, really. And I just thought I just wanted to take the opportunity while I could, really. And your first season in, in the NRL, you took it by storm. It's it's fair to say you you really shook it up, and I and I, I assume that they might have give you a little bit of respect saying a, a Wigan back rollers coming over to to the NRL, but they might not give you the respect that you you possibly deserved before you you played a game in the NRL. But uh, they they certainly knew who you was after a, after a couple of games over there. Just talk to me about that first season with the Raiders and. And, and what it meant to you to, to perform on the on the highest stage at the highest level um, and and kind of show them what you made of. Yeah, yeah, we're pretty pretty mad to fair that. Even thinking about it now, I'm like, like yeah, it was just a mad mad year to fair. I remember obviously signing and like I said, everyone outside everyone outside Canberra, oh like oh yeah, so and so back row, he's played so many games for England, blah blah. And, which I knew, I knew, I always knew that. I think you, if you get to grips with the fact you're not going over there to start, you'll go over there and you'll play well. Because if you go over there thinking, oh, I'm already a star, you're not, you know, you haven't made you haven't done it until you go over there. And I remember Ricky, um, we played, we, his first training session, he was like, blah, blah, do this. And he put me on the reserve team. 
nobody's going to play second team and I remember getting ball skipped across it because I walk, walk, like literally walking straight through and I ran past the edge and sees it because well, it sees you like you dickhead <laughs> sorry like having a go swearing at me so then um, like he literally went oh go on jump straight in so I'm like oh so he jumped straight in and from there mate, I got quite a lot of respect from my team from the team that were there at the time and they obviously knew like oh like he can play rugby type thing so from there it helped me because obviously they trusted me as much as what I, I trusted them and yeah it was just a probably a snowball effect over there to be fair mate I remember playing first game I pretended to chuck that ball at that guy's face but I got I got I ended up getting man a match as well in that game I don't know if it was from that or just <laughs> just because I had a good game but yeah it just went like that and like that and I, I remember for me the game Everyone always says there's a one game that stands out for you. My mum and that, I don't know if it won't because they came over like I, I couldn't make it out loud, but it's not. Like they came over for the first game and they were there and they played Newcastle, Newcastle Knights, and I, I don't, I, it was probably one of the best games. I just felt like I literally I was just like, give me ball, I'll do whatever I want. Like, and they just probably one of the games where I was like, this is where I come, come of age a little bit. I just, I just felt I was just like, give me ball, I'll sit on you like, oh. And yeah, it just went from there and played a game and my family were there at the time so it worked out pretty pretty good and yeah, we played the Brisbane week after and it like just got better and better from there, mate, to fair. Obviously unfortunately I, I broke my cheekbone at the time. Um and as as it as it goes, I ended up coming back here, came back here for two weeks, seeing my mum and that um surprised them they didn't know I was coming home, so that was pretty good. It probably it probably helped me a little bit to fair, mate, because it didn't I didn't have to wait the full period to not see him, if you know what I mean. So mm. It broke up a little bit for me then. Yeah, it just went throughout the years. We, I, I don't know really person think it was just me that had a good year at Canberra. I think you look at the likes of Gerald Croker, Jack White, and Elliot, Oggie, Josh Rapali, Charles Nicol Kotrak, I think Nick Kotrick, Jordan Rapali, and they all lent, they, they were like their best season as well. And like it, it just helped us all. Mm. Of when you fly in there, it just seems to click. Yeah, yeah, yeah well, it was good. It was good feeling, and over there, the Canberra fans just got behind us. First game, I think there were eleven thousand there when I went. I think it was the last game that we had at thing were twenty eight, twenty seven thousand. So just all year they got behind us, and it was just like a steam train. And unfortunately, we didn't get the get, didn't get the thing at the end, and that's probably the, the probably downside to it all. Everything else was just perfect, and went the way we wanted it to do it finished how we wanted to finish apart from the last game and yeah I, I suppose I, I suppose sometimes that it'd be easier not making the grand final yeah than losing in the grand final yeah. because I, I assume it'd be a lot more gut-wrenching to, to lose when, when you know you were so close and, and you was flying all year with, with Canberra in 2019 was it yeah, it's you're so close but so so close but yet so far in it really it's the old saying you, you got there but you haven't got there like you've you might as well not got there because you've lost, you know what I mean, a little bit. And I suppose, I suppose that that was a that was the unfortunate thing. But yeah, for me, mate, it was best time in life to be fair, mate. I'll, like I won't lie, like especially over there, like the media gets behind it. The, just just the way it goes, and it was just a good just a good, good feeling. It's probably why you played a game. You everyone likes to be liked, you know what I mean? Like it's one of the feelings that you just like, you know what? And the more people pump you up, the more you enjoy it really, and the more you go out there and the confident you are, and that's what it was like. I think it was like that for all of us, and we just literally took it as was against everyone else. A little, little, little city down, obviously it's a capital, but it's miles away from anywhere else. And we had, we had a good bond then, and we had players all over, from all over the country, so they couldn't really go and visit the families. We had quite a lot of English lads there, so we had to spend time together, and I think that's, that's why, that was why we, we went the way we did, and that's why we did so good. Good stuff, mate. And, and 
on an individual note, you you won Dalian second row of the of the year. You named the best second yeah. rower in the NRL. That's a special achievement, and I, and I bet you could you never even thought about getting that, did you? Never, mate. Never like I got when I got nominated for it. My girlfriend at the time, she, I just started seeing her, and she, she was like packing, oh, like packing my stuff, and she was like, oh, what? She don't have a clue what rugby. She was like, oh, what, what are you doing? I'm like, oh, down there and finish. She was like, oh, do you think you'll get? I'm like, nah, I don't think. Like, I generally don't think I'll get it. She was like, are you sure? Like, yeah, I don't. Like, I didn't even think so then. Because we got to the grand final, it was all in Sydney. We were all in Sydney, so we were like, so my brother, my brother and best mate, my grandma flew over, but the plane got delayed, so they had to fly to Switzerland, wait there, and think, yeah. And my brother, the only reason they come over early because I, I wanted my brother to come. My brother came to, um, to Manasil dinner with me. He came to come to all my dinners with me. So he, come, he was coming to the that Dalian Award and literally, mate, it started at 8 o'clock and he got there at 5 to 8. And like he came in his suit and I had his shirt, I had his shoes and so like he like stood at the door. But the first time I seen him in like six months, so like, give him a big good loss, he come quick. So I literally walking in with him and he's like walking in and he's like, John Craig Bowen is there. <laughs> I'm like, okay, he's like, John, so 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 Travovich is there, Jake Travovich is there. I'm like, come on, mate, he's like, John Cameron Smith, like, when my brother's a rugby fan himself. And he was just like, just moments out for me, mate, probably just make it more worth it why I did what I did over there and the way I went and take an opportunity to do it, just to give him a special time. And he was sat on the table with all the lads and when Ricky like introduced himself and he's just like, oh, I'm a beer, mate. And brother's just like, Starstruck. Ricky Shooter's yeah, 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 yeah. Just like, <laughs> Starstruck himself. But for me, that, then at moments, like, make, makes it more thingy for me. And to go with it, yeah, I got, I ended, obviously ended up winning it. And yeah, it was class to a fair, just still on stage. And knowing for a while, you've been, been the best back row in the, in the, in the league, obviously, for all that years. It's a great feeling. Did you feel like you was kind of doing it for England as well, while, while he was in Australia? Yeah, quite a bit, was, yeah. Because it, we all know the perception that they, they think the, the Super Leagues are, are lesser com than, than what the NRL is. Did, did you kind of think you was flying the flag for We are quite country? a bit, mate. I, I felt like I had a great backing from everyone over in England. It soon changed when I came back to Wigan. <laughs> but um, I, had, I felt, like, felt like we had a, had a great fall and everyone were behind you. But yeah, like I said, it, obviously it was more on a personal note, but it was. The fact of I'll show you type thing like we're not like don't look at us as second best type thing. You keep cherry picking us all from you, but then you also slag us off saying it's not a good comp. But so why do you do it in a way? You know what I mean like that. So it won't. It did annoy me that the fact that. So that's why one thing I went over. But my my initial thought was like I'm going to show them what I'm about. Like and it was literally that mate. Like and that's what I've always wanted to do. And for me, that's that, that's what it was about. Cool stuff, and then you're headed into the 2021 season. George Williams joined yeah. Canberra for, yeah. for the 2021 season. Did did he speak to you a little bit before before he made that decision to? Yeah, I spoke to him on phone to move. Um, one morning. I think George had a few beers over here, and I was texting him, and I said, "Oh, lad, I'll give you a ring." He was like, "Oh, yeah, yeah, whatever." I said, "Oh, I'm with Ricky. If you want, put put him on." And Ricky literally didn't have a clue what he said. But he was like, "Yeah, yeah tell him I'm saying." Yeah, like, sweet. So just went from there. George is a good mate. He's Good lad, he was a good player, mate. It's, it'd be more, I'd more rather him on my team than on the opposing team, obviously. That's what he did at the time. He came over and, yeah, it was good to have him over there. More English lads for us and felt like more like home, to be honest. So yeah. it was Agent Bateman then? Yeah, mate, was it? it was Agent White that got me there, then it was Agent Bateman that got Williams, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. And, and the 2021 season didn't start on a good note for you, did it? Because I think you, you had, was it a shoulder at Yes, I did my shoulder, yeah, it was pretty, pretty like rubbish stuff and make it tough. Covid came at the time, um, I got me, I did my shoulder and 
It was, it was pretty, with the first doctor I went to meet, uh, I'm pretty sure now, I don't know if it's still, should be still a doctor, because he got it totally wrong. He just, he went in and just literally whipped out a bone that he's probably shouldn't have whipped out, and I was like, what, what's going on? He did 18 weeks, COVID at the time as well, and my granddad was pretty ill with it back home, so I was like, do I go back home? Because they were saying, you can go back home, but you probably won't get back in country, because we was locked down. And I was like, well, if I go back home, that's not, my shoulder's not sweet, so then I'm, what we're doing on it's going to be like this for how long then end up training I, played, I got to about 18 weeks and I just said I just always turned out physio I said listen forget it I'm training like I'll see how it is we ended up training trained and I ended up making a few tackles I was like oh good to go here I went in gym and literally jumped on bench press and the bar just fell on my shot fell on my arm just gave way and I was just like what is going on went to see a different surgeon and he more or less turned around and said oh like he's, he's like he's done done a boss job on you really so for me, I was just like, my head was gone, I didn't know what to do at the time, like, because the, the surgeon was just like, oh, I don't know if you, you better, like, sort it out on that, or like, what's going on here, I, did, I just didn't know what to so do. at that point, was you kind of fearing for, yeah, for your for, career? Yeah, 100%, mate, and like, like, I, I, I literally couldn't, it was more the fact I just wanted to live an normal life with my shoulder not hurting, because it was just, kill, it had been hurting for about, about, about four or five months, and I was just like, what am I going to do here, like, I don't know what to do. And literally the surgeon said, oh, we'll, we'll go, I'll go in, have a look at it. And if Orton he's doing, I'll do it. And did it. Ended up going in, sawing it all out from him. Like, touch wood, I've not had any issues with it now, you know what I mean? And, but for, for them, that few short months, mate, like, because uh, obviously the, the contract stuff came about at the same time. And for me, it that was, was a, yeah. a, a, a whirlwind, yeah, wasn't well, it? Yeah. When, when all the, the contracts, because I, I just remember it blowing up on Twitter that... <sighs> He's, he's been staying, yeah, is he yeah. going, and yeah. then you had all the... He just twisted it, twisted it to, to what suited them, which is, I suppose, as a journalist, that's what they do, don't they? Like, you can't, like, you know what I mean? Like, he, he, the, the bloke over there at the time, he twisted to what, and he nitpicked certain bits out of the thing that suited what he, suited his agenda, which, you know what, that's his job, I, I get that. But then, for me, it was just like, people coming, oh, oh, oh the reason he's faking his shoulder injury, and I'm like, my head's falling off here at home, I don't know if I'm going to be able to play rugby again, and this bloke saying that I'm, you know, faking it, and it just, it, it not, it didn't get to me, I was just like, just pissing me off, really. And probably more for my mum, my mum was back home, and she, she was worried about me, my shoulder anyway, knowing how bad I, the way I was in, and she was just like, it was just probably getting to her a lot more than what it was getting to anyone else, and, it was just, it was just tough. It was pretty tough, and I was just like, "Mum, it'll be all right, it'll be all right." She's like, "Yeah, but why are you saying that? Why are you saying this?" I'm like, "Don't worry about it." And I remember, I think the first thingy about the contract came out, and it must have been about seven days, and it just the next day was something else. Next day was something else, and the, the, the last day wasn't even anything to do with me. Like it was just so random, dating and doing like, and I was just like, like I got to the point where I was just laughing. Like, and I would meet my girlfriend, who's who's obviously my girlfriend now, or with her, and she getting to her to her, and I was like, just leave it. Like, like don't don't finger, don't worry about it. And she's like, yeah, but why, why are you saying this? And I was just one of them things. But yeah, it, I ended up getting back playing. Made a decision, obviously, to come back home before finger. Came back, came back playing, and just went from there. Really played. I think it only lasted like nine games for Canberra. Mm-hmm. I think, and obviously ended up in the semi final. I think it was. So, at what point in the 2020 season did you start to think about possibly coming back and returning? And what were the reasons? Was it your shoulder or was it COVID or yeah. did you just fancy um, was you missing home and you wanted to, to return? What was the main? If I'm honest with you, after the 2019 season, I got a phone call off Canberra and they were like, right, we want, to, we want you to re-sign. And I was pretty hell-bent on re-signing to the fair. Like, yeah, you know what, I want to stay here. I'm enjoying it. I'm 
best rugby I've played. Why won't no one stay here? Then as COVID came, COVID, for, for, like I refer back to obviously what, what Millie, how close I am to Millie and my family, they'd come over like three, three four times a year. And COVID came and I just knew and I wasn't seeing them for. I didn't see them for, uh, for what, 11 months in mm. 2020. So for me, mate, it was just a massive decision. I was just like, listen, I need to, I need to be back home. I, early time, I think everyone in the world was in the same position. We were uncertain about what they're going to be doing. And I just didn't know what we were going to be doing. And it, for me, I just couldn't take that risk of not being close to home for, with my mum, with my, with my little girl, with my family. I just wanted to make that decision and obviously, I don't know if Rad's had a magic ball and could read my mind, but he just, he just, he, to be fair, I kept close to Rad's and Rad's, he just dropped in and was just like, oh, let me know how you are and stuff. And I was just trying to him and he just said, oh, because at first it was supposed to be for last year, 2021, supposed to be for that. And he just went, well, what, how do you fancy coming home now? I was just like, shit, like, you know, it's like that. I just went from there, really. And then obviously, we do quite a few clubs over there because people were like, oh, he's going off for money, blah, blah, blah. Like, and chucking, like, saying, just saying, oh, like, like 700 grand. I'm like, mate, like, I'm not even on close to that. Like, I'm on half of that. And uh, they were just like ridiculous statements. I was just like, you know what? I think that. I don't, I don't, I don't think you'd be leaving the NRL for soon. Yeah, like, yeah, you know what I mean? Like, that's what I can. It was never about that. Like, it never would be. I've never played the game for that. Like, I, I just play it for like, the way I, I feel about it and stuff. And if I didn't want to play it, I wouldn't. You know what I mean? I'm not one of the people. And it, I, it was just. I think the fact of all the. Like, because I didn't sign a contract until like, I started back playing for Canberra. And it was just the fact of them chucking all these random stuff out. And I was just like, you know what? I'm not wasting my time here. Like, I'm not. At, at that moment in time, I just thought it would just piss me off that much. I was just like, you know what, get me out of here. I just want to get out, get home for a little bit, you know what I mean, and see my family. So at that moment in time, that's that's the decision I wanted to do, and that's the decision I made at the time. And like I stand by that still this day. Like that's what that is what I wanted to do. Good stuff. Always follow your heart. And twenty twenty one. So you're back at Wigan. Did you feel a certain level of expectation from you in your second stint coming coming back or coming home if you like? Did you did you feel like more was expected from you because you've turned into such a, a player in the NRL and everyone knows you and everyone was like John Bateman's coming back to Super League, he's coming back to Wigan. There was such a hype around you. Did yeah. you did you feel anything different from your your second stint to obviously your first when you left? Yeah. I put probably put too much pressure on myself. Like I started training, so when I announced it, obviously when I finished with Canberra, we finished in October. I literally gave myself two week off, and I started training within like that two week. Came back and I didn't come back to training with, for Wigan until like halfway through Jan, because they didn't because they played the grand final in mm. November of the year, and I was just put too much pressure on myself. I was just in my own head, like telling myself like. Or even eating chocolate, and I'm like, no, look, you're gonna let yourself down here, like, what, you know, like stuff like. Which is, I suppose, you ask any sports that you do probably get in that mindset sometimes, and it was just too over the top. I was just too full on with the thought of how good I needed to be, how, what I needed to do, and stuff like. And I came back to a different Wigan at the time. That I, I obviously left the Wigan where I was in charge with Wayne and stuff like, and the people that I knew, and it was totally different. Like it was, like the club were at a different stage, their their uh, finger pattern and stuff like. So. I didn't realise that, I didn't take it on board and move from as people as easy as people think it is or you coming back home, like you're still moving outside the world. Like I had to pack up from where my home was, in Canberra to come over here. And literally I didn't have a home to live in when I got here. I tried to I lived with my mum for oh, I think until 
March, 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 just before the season started. So I was travelling back and forth, sat on M62. I don't, I won't wish up on my worst enemy to a fair mate. It's, it's awful, <laughs> especially in the early mornings. And yeah, it just it probably I expected too much of myself too too quickly. And, I probably, without expectation, I put too much pressure on myself as what I wanted to do and where I wanted to be. And I suppose as a team, we weren't really there. Obviously, we won his first seven, but I think we won in first seven. Yeah, I, different ways and means that we had to. We didn't start particularly well. Played Liam and we, we only just scraped the winter affair. So, yeah, it, was just, it went like that. And I think throughout the year, as the year went on and on, I put more and more pressure on myself. And yeah, it just probably didn't work out as what, what I like to have. So, so what adjustments did you make from that then? Did you just literally sit back and, and, and tell yourself that to, to not put that pressure on and, and to maybe release the shackles a little bit and, and just get back to your old self sort of thing? Because you start the year in fine form. I've spoken to Matty, Matty every week and he's always picked you and, and Liam Farrell out for praise, you, the, the club's back rowers after the, the performances in the games. So what's changed? Because you seem a lot more like your your old self now, or, or the the John Bateman that we did see in the NRL. Yeah, I think if I'm totally honest with you, mate, I, like I, I thought, like I've sat down and I've gone, you don't need to be John Bateman at NRL. You need to be John Bateman who you are now. You need to be the most present John Bateman you can be because the more I try and be like that, the less you're going to be like that. The more I came back, I tried to be a John Bateman at left wing. I'm not going to be. A, I'm, I'm a better. I'm a, I'd say I'm a better version of what I am then, but. It was probably the fact of just literally coming in. I no, it wasn't because of Wigan. It wasn't because where I was. It was. I just didn't come in last year. I came into training last year. I just didn't enjoy it. I could just, and I've never lost lost a love for rugby. But last year I just didn't enjoy it. I just didn't. I didn't love it as much as what I should be doing. You know what I mean? And it was just. It was just that stage of my career, and I was just like. It's, because like the more, cause the more, and more I was trying and less, less and less it was working for me. You're just getting in your own head and. Yeah, I just, I just said, you know what, just chill out a little bit, like just relax. Like I said, I didn't, I enjoyed myself in the off season. I spent time with my family, and spent time with my girlfriend, had a bit of time away and stuff like that. And just forgot what would be a little bit. Didn't put amounts of pressure on myself and just trained, trained, just trained to what I, I knew I needed to be and where I needed to be. At. And just came back and from the first day I've come back from this pre-season, mate, it's just I've been like, uh, old Rads, I remember Rad saying to me, if you're not, if you aren't ready to come back for pre-season, if you, if you sorry, if you, when you set your alarm clock on the day for pre-season, if you wake up and you don't want to go to pre-season, you aren't ready, are you? Like simple as that. And in my back of my head, like I went, I was ready to come back, and I just, I was just looking forward to getting into it. Probably a bit of a change with the coaching staff as how, how it's run at the club now, which is a lot better for myself. I feel like and. Probably like different different group of lads which I enjoy a lot more and stuff like that. No disrespect to the lads that are here, but I think it's just the vibe around the place a lot different. Um, but yeah, it was just just probably chilling out a little bit and just relaxing and just enjoying the rugby like that. For me, I'm not an overthinker. I just like to play rugby. Just give me a ball, I'll play rugby. And I probably overthink over overthought it too much last year. And yeah, I just just got that mindset really. Just go out there and enjoy yourself really. Your girlfriend's Australian, isn't she? Yeah. yeah. So I, I know we talked about the difficulties that you faced when you moved over there uh, a couple of years ago in terms of missing your family. Is, is she settled in okay now? Yeah. In, I suppose that was the thing last year. Mate, I had the fact of her, like, a, like as much as obviously me coming back home and playing rugby and doing what I need to do, I also need to take care of her. Like, she, you know what I mean? She, she'd done exactly what I'd done a couple of years previous, so I knew what it was like. I knew how she was thinking. No, she's she shan't touch wood. She shan't, shan't turn on. She wants to say she wants to go back home. Yeah, so yeah, it's been it's been a pretty good start. So she's enjoying it to a fair mate. She likes it over here. 
pretty close to my family as well, obviously. We're expected as well now, so yeah, she's settled in pretty well, to be fair, mate, which is obviously helps me a lot. It's, if she's happy, it helps me, helps me obviously enjoy my work really, it makes it a bit easier. Expecting a boy as well? Yeah. So, will it one one day line up for England or, or in the green and gold? 100% England. <laughs> There's no arguing about that. Well, she's tried to argue about it. Like I said, she doesn't know much about rugby, so I'm going to keep it light and hopefully it'll go for, uh, go for England. But yeah, like I said, mate, it's, it's good. I'm looking forward to it. I've got, obviously got a little girl as well, but to have a little boy, it's a little bit different, isn't it? And yeah, obviously this World Cup, this World Cup this year as well, so it'll be born just before, well, born in... March, 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 April, May, April, <laughs> is it May, May, sorry, <laughs> don't put that on, <laughs> uh, April, so it's around that time anyway, so yeah, it'll be good, it'll be good to, good to get in, and I think her family are coming over to watch the World Cup as well, so her dad follows rugby quite a bit, so yeah, it'll be, so we'll leave yeah. it, you a little <laughs> bit of stick there, he actually, said, funnily enough, when she came back after Christmas, he sent a little Australian, um, shirt over, <laughs> I said, you better chill right in so <laughs> yeah, so yeah, it's, it's good. It's good. So, so you you're happy in your in your career. You're happy outside. Um, do, do you see yourself then living in England for 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 the for the foreseeable then? As um, in, as in, career, play would, career you, would you ever move back to um, Australia with your girlfriend? Yeah, I never said never. I never after said. after your career, I mean. Yeah, I said never said never, mate. Like for me, I'm op- I'm open to that. I I loved it there. You know what I mean? Like it like it was a great lifestyle. Don't get me wrong. It's 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 real good to feel like it's a good lifestyle. It's it's, it's sunny for a start. It's, you know what I mean? It's, it makes you a lot happier. But yeah, obviously she she's from there, so she'd probably want to move back there herself. And, you know what I mean? Spend a bit of time with us, with my dad and stuff. So yeah, never 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 say never to anything, mate. Obviously, I would enjoy myself. Of, probably what I'm at 28 now so I've got hopefully got a few more years left in me so go through that and enjoy myself but yes just take it step by step really and see what she wants to do and just have a little chat and obviously when the little fella comes around see what he wants to do as well so he'll probably have a say and obviously we'll have to get see what Millie fans is doing so we'll probably have a joint decision to see what we'll get up to oh good stuff just on the international scene as well we've Talk Clubland, uh, but you made your, your England debut 2015, 16 caps for England, four for, for Great Britain as well. I know you, you're a very proud Englishman, that that must have meant the world to you to, to make, make your debut in 2015. Yeah, uh, Steve Mack gave me the debut, he signed me at Bradford and I went, I went on an um, England tour, got back and had been sacked, so <laughs> yeah, I never got a chance to work with him. <laughs> so it worked out pretty good that he got a, obviously the England job. Um, yeah, well, it was good. Yeah, my it was crazy experience. Just trip. I think it was one of them, one of them um, feelings. Like I said, when I first came in Wigan, just playing with play, certain players, and I couldn't believe how I knew certain people. I was playing with Sam Burgess, playing with James Ray, and you know what I mean. Like it was just like wow. Like, that was I, a different level. Yeah, like it? like I'm just I've gone from like I couldn't believe it. Like I generally couldn't believe it. Like and for me, I played centre probably the majority of them games throughout throughout my England career managed to get him back over the last few years but yeah I was just happy to play mate. I was just I just wanted to play for the country. Like I said that for me I'll do anything for the country. I love I love playing for the country. It's, it's probably the best well it's it's the pinnacle of my career and it's what I am all about. And I mean, touch wood injury free this year. I, I wanna go one step further than what we did in two thousand seventeen. I wanna obviously win that World Cup at the end of this year mate. That's for me it's it's what dreams are made of and I, I suppose my grandparents watching me play and stuff like that, that's the best feeling ever, just seeing them in the crowd. And 
2019 was a great Britain tour. Uh, I know it didn't go as well as, as what we was hoping uh, for it to go, but would you like to see the, the Lions return? Uh, and maybe have it every couple of years rather than and, and then space it out with England as well? Or what, what are your thoughts on, on the Great Britain Lions concept? Yeah, it's a bit different for me, obviously, because when I grew up now, I, I grew up watching Great Britain. Like, I grew up watching them, but then as as obviously the years got by, it got phased out and I obviously played for England straight away. So for me, it was what it meant to me to play for England, you know, like obviously that would have best feeling that I always knew because uh, that was the only feeling I knew yeah. in a way and obviously went on to play for Great Britain it obviously didn't go out it didn't go to plan at all like, but you know what I mean it, it, we didn't I think we didn't win a game did we? Mm-hmm. No, uh, no two losses uh, to New Zealand yeah, to, Tonga to, and Papua New Guinea yeah we didn't win a game so one one of the best tournaments so I suppose it's a bit thingy for people to think oh shall we do that again but I for me, like I said, I grew up watching that, like on BBC and stuff like. You know, what I mean, they were the games that I I, I watched from my brother and stuff. So, I love the fact of pulling on that jersey, mate. It was one of one of the best feelings, just as special as what it was for England. You know what I mean? So, yeah, I'd, I'd love to see the concept continue. And hopefully, get something sorted out for us to do. I'd, I'd love to play a Great Britain tour against Australia. Like that's, you know what I mean, we're not play, I've not played Australia much to be fair. So, I like playing against them and stuff like. That. So yeah, that. That's for me, I'd, I'd be more than happy to obviously keep on continuing that. And, and Sean Wayne has announced his, his England training squad, uh, which you're a part of, uh, John. It's, it's a very talented squad. There's a couple of, uh, of Wigan lads in there, Liam Marshall, uh, Liam Farrell and Carpius Pauls in, included as well. Uh, just on, on the debutants, Carpius Pauls, do you think he has what it takes to, to play for England one day? Yeah. I don't want to put too much pressure on him, but as a young kid, I suppose he just goes out there and he's, and he's just kind of playing well for Wigan and hopefully gets a call up for Wayne. I'm, I'm, I'm excited him now, week in, week out, so I get to see what he's like. He's a bit of a freak, he's, he does stuff that obviously people can't, I've not seen many people do, so. Got a great off ball game. Yeah, a yeah, kid like that, you've, obviously it's great to see him. Obviously, hopefully he can kick on and progress and get move forward. Obviously, like I said, don't want to put too much pressure on him, I suppose you look through. Obviously, looking forward this year, there's quite a few young kids in the Super League in general, mate, that have got the potential to go far. So, I think it's just about us letting letting them letting them develop and enjoy themselves and enjoying the rugby most of all. Obviously, pressure is a big thing in this day and age, and you just want to let them enjoy themselves and go out there and play the best rugby to obviously perform on the big stage. It's probably one of the most exciting seasons. I I know that we're a couple of weeks into the Super League season, but there's such hype around this season, isn't there? That the, there's rugby league being shown on a number of platforms. It, the latest being Channel Four as well. We've got a World Cup at the end of the year, which most of the games are being shown uh, live on the BBC. There's more eyeballs on on rugby league than ever before. 2022 can be a real game changing year for 100%. rugby league. I think I, coming back from Australia, seeing what the games like over there, obviously we're we're a bit far, we're further away from what they are, what their, their game is. Sorry, but. For me, mate, the game needs as much eyeballs on it as possible. It needs to grow. We need to we need to find areas where we can grow. And I think that's as, as if we can get as many live live games on TV or t- or live games shown. I think it's great for the sport. People, there's more eyeballs on the game. It grows more. More people watch it. More people talk about it. And I think that's what it needs. And it produces. We need to produce better games, obviously. And I think with the teams, what the people have signed, signed certain players and. They decided to put some invest some money into what it's about, and I think it's about we believe progressing and not waiting for the teams that are probably at the lower lower end of the league. We need to progress and move forward. We can't always stand still. I know 
it's a sport that looks played in Northern Hemisphere and obviously in the north of England but I think it's a, we need to invest and we need to move forward we can't, we can't just sit back and wait for Wait for things. I think we need to move forward, and that's where the game goes. It's the best game for me in the world. You know what I mean? I like watching football, but it's boring to watch. You know what I mean? I, I could put on, put rugby league on and watch it all day long. And if you get up with people's eyeballs on it, and I think that's what it's all about, mate. That's what we need, and that's what we need to move forward. Definitely. And, and just to to wrap up this podcast, John, we we have a a, a rugby league life lesson. Uh, so, what has rugby league taught you? One thing that rugby league has taught you over the years. <laughs> um, just work hard, mate. If you're if you're willing to work hard, willing to dedicate yourself to a certain trade or a certain aspect of life, I think you 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 get you get your rewards from it. If I'm honest with you, you work hard as you can. Probably you might not get them straight away, but if you carry on being dedicated and working hard, I think you'll get them in the long run. So I'd probably say that. Thanks for joining us on the Love Rubble League podcast, John. Cheers, thanks for having me. Cheers, Paul. Thanks for listening to the Love Rugby League podcast. Know someone who shares our collective love for rugby league? Let them know about this podcast and make sure to subscribe so you don't miss the next episode. Eager for more rugby league news? Visit loverugbyleague.com. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.